All right. Hey, folks. It is the Fazlift podcast, and we are back on the fastest fat loss train. I bet you guys thought I'd forgotten about this, but <clears throat> I've not. I've been meaning to do a follow-up, and I want to tell you guys what I've been doing for the past eight weeks, although if you've seen the title, I'm sure you've guessed. <laughs> um, so basically, uh, I've had a rather good maintenance. It's been great, actually. I've maintained my body weight now for about seven or eight weeks. I think it's been seven or eight. And it's been great. So maintained relative condition, felt good. I um, hit my goal of going into my 40th birthday lean, um, feeling good, having a good grasp on my diet, all that kind of stuff. It has been my most successful maintenance phase. I think I've probably done things... My, my approach to diet has been evolving loads over the last sort of five years. And I've already said to you guys, if I was to ever do a contest prep again, I would do things very differently. So I would employ some fasting. I would employ some more extreme diet methods because all of those things worked really well for me. However, the evolution of my diet, as in the things that I actually eat, has really changed as well. And it's really made the diet fairly effortless in the sense that I'm no longer getting hungry at all. Like I have cravings like we all do, but even those are less to, uh, because things like the very low calorie diet model, the fasting, it helps cravings. So um, it all works together really well. There's this, it's almost like there's a tool for every problem, if you see what I mean, and that's very valuable. It's like with training, I guess, or whatever else, but like training, let's just use training as an example. If you're not able to, I don't know, get a good pump in your chest, you might want to pre-exhaust the chest with cable flies and then do your pressing and that gets you a better pump and it should get a better mind-muscle connection or, you know, just stuff like that. There are, it, it almost seems like I've got that much experience now with dieting. It's, it's like I've got a tool for every situation. And obviously a lot of that is just for me. Um, but these are things that I, I have and I continue to experiment on and I suggest to my clients as well, which helps them. But, you know, the first thing is try it out yourself, make sure it's backed by the research and then go from there. So, yeah, it's been, it's been very good. I feel like I've got a good level of mastery. Weirdly enough, that question, will you ever compete, has come up a lot over the last couple of months. A lot of people have asked me, like, would you ever compete again? Which is probably a combination of, you know, they know I'm on a diet, they know I'm maintaining. I look relatively lean. And, uh, well, they know I've competed in the past and things are starting to open up again. The answer I always give is, like, maybe. This is a, probably a bit of a tangent. It's not really what this show is supposed to be about. But, yeah, the answer is maybe. Um, if, it, if I can contest prep without it affecting my business and my relationship, then yes. But otherwise, I probably wouldn't. I don't feel at this stage I've got much more to prove but I do enjoy walking around looking lean and big and looking and being healthy so there's that anyway maintaining for the last couple of months one things I did found one, one thing I did find which was very useful probably the first sort of lesson to be derived from this is after a very brief period of time it was very useful to add in more food purposefully so I'm all about sticking to somewhat close to the diet foods, right? And that's great. But when you're trying to maintain, you need a fair bit more food. Like you might need up to 500 more calories a day. 
depending on your deficit, right? Even, you know, accounting for metabolic slowdown and all that kind of stuff. So one strategy is to use the same diet foods but add in treats. Now, I didn't find that to work as well. What I found to work better was to add in more actual foods to my meals and pad out my meals a bit more. And that was really interesting. Now, the food that I really focused in on was the humble potato. <laughs> so um, that's kind of where I started off. So it was, was more food. Um, and what I started to do was I started to add more potatoes to my meals. And it was usually just roast potatoes. I did them in sort of a um, patatas bravas kind of thing, um, diced, spiced, and in the oven. And yeah, just added them into my regular meals. So each meal consisted of a vegetable component of roughly three to 400 grams. Um, maybe, yeah, maybe probably closer to 300 at this stage, a little bit less than I was eating. So 300 grams of veg on top of that, or to the side of that, was about 300 grams of potatoes. So that's 600 veg already. <laughs> and uh, on top of that then was a lentil or legume or bean component of the meal. So this was either red lentils, kidney beans, black beans, chickpeas, something like that. And then finally a meat portion of the meal, which was again, another like 300 grams. <laughs> so a big meal, like the, the meal in itself was about a kilo of food, you know, a couple of pounds of food for you guys in, in, over in America. So uh, yeah, it's a big meal and I would eat that a couple of times a day. And uh, that was really nice. And one thing I did, which I sprinkled on top was um, toasted corn or toasted chickpeas. That was magical, by the way, like I totally recommend it. That's such a nice flavor and I will continue to do that. So that was the big thing, like I needed more food. Now those meals, which were like a kilo of total food, were really filling and there were, there were so many different textures and, and whatnot, like, it, it was great. So I was very pleased with that. So yeah, the first thing was I needed more structured food and it definitely helped to have more structured food. I didn't really just want to be encouraging myself to eat biscuits and chocolate all day because that's not really the, the goal. Because remember from the diet series, uh, the last uh, few diet episodes, um, I never really restricted anything. Like I could have whatever I wanted to have. So there was no stigma attached there. However, what I did feel was necessary was just more food in general. And really early on, when I tried to just diet and then add in like a few treats here and there or just to my appetite, it didn't really work out so well because all those things that I talk about with you guys, which are associated with Moorish foods like chocolate and biscuits, is that you want to eat more of those. And then you want to eat more of everything. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, it's very easy to chow down, I don't know, 500 calories worth of chocolate. So now I'm sat there thinking, you know what, this is like, it's not really that satisfying. And maybe I should just add in more food to my meals. So that's what I did. And it made the next sort of, you know, six or seven weeks of the diet really easy. So that was like a, probably a, a realization in the first week, which is very obvious, you know, but I thought, and I think maybe a lot of people do, they think they can get away with a bit of a treat, um, you know, straight off a diet. And um, I'm not really about that life. So I thought, you know, and I normally I allow myself treats anyway, as you guys know, but I thought maybe I'll allow myself a few more and I was trying to steady the ship, but I was like, no, you know what? This is not really working. Let's just add in something which is more filling and potatoes really helped to round out the meal. So that was good. So with that, and then I had one other meal of whey protein and um, fruit and cacao nibs. That was a consistent every day. Also very filling. That was a couple of scoops away. About, um, 
I don't, I didn't really ever measure out the cacao nibs, but it wasn't much, um, like a sprinkle, maybe 50 grams of cacao nibs, and then a lot of fruit on top of that. So that, and I used to get pretty extravagant with the fruits. <laughs> so it was berries, you know, frozen berries, um, whatnot. And then on top of that, I chop a banana or something. <laughs> so it was, those got pretty extravagant. And also I, I sprinkle on the whole mix, um, a bunch of cinnamon. That's a really good way of getting in cinnamon, by the way, guys, a uh, bit of a tip for you. Um, if you want to include more cinnamon in your diet, cause it's has some good properties for, uh, for health. So with all that, that was rather good. That made the diet rather easy. So next thing is, there's a couple of things that I tried which either helped or didn't help. So firstly, I tried not weighing myself for a little while. That was not so useful. It was not so good. My, <laughs> my thinking was that I would try to diet without weighing myself and to be a bit more in tune with what I'm seeing in the mirror. That was the idea at least. I personally found it was more of a distraction. Like it just left me without a focus for the day, which is a bit of a shame. Um, and it kind of had a knock on effect to my training as well, which was not so great. So I tried that for like three days, right? I didn't weigh myself. Um, and it made sense in my head and I thought, well, I'll try it, but it just kind of, it didn't really set me up particularly well for the day. And if we look at the research around that, if you as long as you have a positive relationship with the scale, if you weigh yourself in the morning, it keeps you accountable and it's a form of accountability, which helps for long-term diet success. So it makes sense. I guess I was trying to go against the research, which is generally not a good idea. So yeah, I tried to not weigh myself. Wasn't so successful. Didn't work for me. I lacked that accountability. And the next thing I tried, which has been very good, has been to increase my salt intake. One of the things I've been reading about is um, the value of salt. And I think possibly for myself, I've pro because I'm a relatively big guy and I train a lot, I train six days a week and I do cardio. I've probably been under consuming salt for a while. So I've drastically increased my salt intake and that's been very useful actually. Um, so I feel like my levels of hydration are more cons are able to be more consistent. Just because my, my body seems to be retaining more water, I seem to be sweating more. Now, overall, thirst is a weird thing. I've talked to you guys about this before, but thirst is a strange one. You can demonstrate no thirst and still be somewhat dehydrated according to the research. So thirst signals are not that are not that trustworthy. You can be sort of chronically a little bit low or less than optimal and still be fine. But it definitely sort of is in our best interest to be fully hydrated. Now, wait a second. Before I go on, I should probably discuss. I'm talking about salt and hydration. Some of you guys might not understand the connection between salt and hydration. You might just think well, it's more about water. Water, I've always drunk loads of. So water has been like a consistent four, maybe five liters a day, maybe six actually, uh, if we're talking total fluids. So, so you know, that's plenty. Um, however many gallons that is, I don't know. But yeah, plenty of water. But the thing is, if you don't have enough electrolytes in your system for whatever reason, let's say you're secreting a lot. I mean, it's a summer here in the UK <laughs> for whatever summer we get. Let's say you're secreting a lot of um of, of uh, electrolytes in your sweat and you train a lot and you walk around a lot and all that kind of stuff, then you may well be uh, dehydrated because your body is unable to hold on to the water. And the more you drink, the more you just wee out even more electrolytes. So that's not a very good situation. So I tried drastically increasing my salt and it had two interesting consequences, <laughs> which was surprising to me. 
One, I felt like I was more consistently hydrated. And let me explain what I mean by that. What I do with my water intake is I tend to um, taper it off at the end of the day. So for the last two or three hours before bed, I don't have any additional water. I might have like a hot drink or something or a caffeine-free tea. So what would happen is I would wake up in the middle of the night thirsty and needing a pee. Okay. One of the first things that I noticed was I no longer needed to get up for a pee at night. Now, that's really weird because it's, it's hotter these days. So I would sleep through, you know. I'd need, I'd need to pee in the morning. I'd be aware of it, but it wouldn't be like that desperate feeling that I, okay, it would wake me up like three or four in the morning. I'd groggily go to the loo and go back to sleep. It wasn't like that. So I slept better. And I believe this is because the lack, the less than optimal hydration for a guy like me who moves around a lot meant I wasn't able to hold on to water over the course of the night so I became both simultaneously dehydrated and needing a pee because I had so much water in my system. I'm not, I'll be honest with you guys, I'm not sure how scientific this is. Um, I've not looked into it. I've not looked into how salt affects hydration. If you're listening to this and you know a bit more about it, then uh, by all means, message me. Let me know what your thoughts are. i um, be interested to hear from you guys. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But that's what I experienced. And it was a very immediate effect as well. Now, uh, as you guys know, I um, I pay a lot of interest to my sleep. I have struggled with my sleep in the past. And I think this is one of the things which is associated with that. So the increased salt intake, it had a couple of effects. It made the sleep deeper. And it also meant that I was getting up less. Now, I don't know if the two are connected or if it was a separate mechanism. Like, did the salt do something to my hydration levels, which made me more relaxed? Or was it just simply the fact that I wasn't getting up at night? If you see what I mean, that's two separate things, isn't it? But it's interesting. Who would have thought it? Salt makes you a better sleeper. I mean, that is weird. But think about it, right? When do you get your worst sleep? It's normally when the weather changes. Like it goes from, you know, spring to summer. It gets really hot. And then you have trouble sleeping, right? You start getting up. You're tossing and turning. Part of that is just the heat. But... Well, it's, it's, all, it's all connected, isn't it? What if your ability to regulate your heat levels in your body is impaired because your hydration is impaired? Because we know that proper hydration enables you to regulate your um, body temperature. That's interesting, isn't it? That's quite something, because I've had no problems. And yeah, I do sleep with a fan on, but still, I was having problems prior to this. I've not had problems since, and I continue to have any problems. Also, have you, ever got, have you guys ever noticed if you say, let's say on a Saturday night, if you get some takeaway, let's say you go off your diet, Saturday night, you go get some pizza, burgers, whatever you like, right? You normally sleep pretty good that night. Now, why is that? Is that probably, probably because of the extra carbs? Sure, I'm sure it is. That has a sort of a, you know, um, increase your serotonin and all that kind of stuff. But what if it's also to do with salt and hydration? What if it's also to do with that? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'll leave this open for you guys to um, send me your thoughts. Yeah, I wonder if it's a contributing factor. I suspect it is. So that was the first thing. The next thing was almost immediately my heart rate started to go down a couple of beats per day. Then my heart rate normally sits in about the mid-50s, mid and it started to go down. And I was like, well, this is curious. I mean, without again, without doing anything, heart rate started to go down a couple of points. And I was like, wow, this could also mean that I'm more hydrated. 
It was very interesting, guys. Now, all I was really doing was salting every meal relatively heavily. And that's it. Um, so I had three meals a day. and Well, two of the meals were salted. One wasn't because it was um, like a dessert meal. Um, but yeah, I was just having a lot more salt. And I was using more salt in my cooking as well, rather than I traditionally have used low salt, stuff like that. But uh, I think it's more than likely a case that I probably get enough potassium just from the sheer amount of vegetables I eat. Bearing in mind, I eat a lot of um, fibrous vegetables and I eat a lot of potatoes, both of which are loaded with potassium. So I probably get sufficient potassium per day. I say probably because I, I haven't actually measured it for a while. Um, I haven't used my fitness pal for a while. But if you're looking at what are we on? We're on about uh, 1.2, about 1.6 kilos of fruit and veg per day. Then one would think, am I getting enough potassium? So to counter that, yeah, loads of salt. It massively increased my hydration, greatly increased my well-being. I felt I was more hydrated. Um, it was interesting. It was very interesting. So that was the second thing. During maintenance, that made... And also the third thing regarding salt was um, I felt that my appetite was better as well. So I was less prone to wanting things, you know, like whatever, snacks or whatever. So I just felt like I, I had better taken care of cravings. So that was interesting. Yeah, interesting stuff. So, I mean, I've, I guess I should clarify, I've always had a, a reasonable amount of salt and low salt in my food. But um, just really going above and beyond, it seemed to help a lot. Um, so if I was to estimate, I was probably getting closer to five grams of sodium per day rather than maybe what I, what I normally sit is like three-ish, you know, two or three. So um, reasonably high, probably double the RDA. Now, again, I'm not suggesting any of you guys do this. And if you do want to do it, you know, get it all clear from your doctor because this is the kind of thing where if you have a pre-existing pre condition, you'll probably feel worse. But um, yeah, I felt a hell of a lot better. Um, and I will continue to do that. Okay, so next point. Um, so I still weigh roughly about 180 uh, pounds. So in the mornings, I'm about 81 kilos. I ended the diet at, I think it was the high 79, so like 79.6, I think it was. Um, so yeah, I've gained like a kilo and a half, which is nothing in the grand scheme of things. It's just, you know, food in the system and, and a bit of um, extra glycogen. So yeah, I'm happy with that. Very happy with that. So yeah, we're, we're in pretty virtually the same, which is great. I, I was about, I, I did step on stage in 2018 at about 180 as well. That was probably, I would say, my peak mass. That was probably when I was the largest muscularly. It wasn't when I was the strongest, but it was certainly when I was the largest. And uh, it, it's always one of those things where, one, people think 180 is not that big, which I guess it's not. But then I didn't look small. <laughs> so um, one thing I'd, that has been interesting is my eldest brother, recently got shredded and he he doesn't really lift that much he's um he's just a regular guy he's like mid 40s but interestingly he's shredded at 60 kilos so we have similar heights similar bone structure uh, there's three of us three brothers uh, and we're all built fairly similarly you know structurally like bone wise i think i'm like ever so slightly taller and ever so slightly wider but again i'm not actually too sure about being wider i think bone structure we're quite similar but uh yeah so interestingly enough i out in probably the similar level of leanness, I outweigh him. I weighed him at my peak by about 20 kilos. So while for me, 80 kilos shredded is not is quite a lot. Ultimately, it's not that big, but it's 45 pounds more lean tissue than 
what is my normal state. So that's quite interesting. I find that statistic quite gratifying. If we think that my brother and I probably have relatively similar skeletons, because we definitely have similar height, similar bone structure, to have added 45 pounds of muscle onto my frame over the course of a lifetime, I'm pretty proud of that. You know, that's, that's pretty cool. So to maintain about 180, I'm happy with that. I don't necessarily want to dip down too much lower, but I, I might do. I think I'm, I'm not as lean at 180 now as I was on stage, of course, because that would be unsustainable. I think, um, well, firstly, the lockdowns have done me dirty. And also, I did have a back injury in 2020. I think looking back at that now, I think in hindsight, that probably affected me a lot more than I realized at the time, because I really did have to stop a lot of activity. And while I got back in the gym as soon as I could, it really curtailed a lot because not only did I have a back injury, but the gyms were locked down. So I couldn't actually go to the gym and use machines. I just had barbells at home. So in the end, I didn't really do a great deal of anything. So that was tough. And I, I looking back now, I don't have logs from that time because I deleted the app, but I probably lost a lot more muscle in mid to early 2020 than I realized at the time. So that kind of sucks. And I don't really think I've built it back up because I've just been cutting since. So I, I've seen pictures of myself at about sort of 88 to 90 um, before gyms were closed down. And I think I probably did lose quite a lot of muscle mass after that stage. And I've been cutting body fat since then. So that's probably where the lost muscle mass comes from. I'm not sure if I'll ever push to regain it again. I, I'm not sure I want to, but who knows? We'll see. So the next plan, I think at this stage, having maintained now for about eight weeks, because if you recall, the initial diet was um, six weeks. I maintained then for like, yeah, seven or eight weeks. And that's been nice. So the initial diet took me down from 88 down to about 80. And then from there, oh, parcel. And then from there, I've now been maintaining at about 80 for yeah the past couple of months. I feel like I'm ready for another push down, but then I'm very undecided. I said to myself, like I wouldn't ever diet if it wasn't absolutely riveting, you know, to diet. I'm not sure if it is. I'm going to have a think about it, but um, I wouldn't mind pushing body fat down a little bit further. We shall see. Either way, it's a pretty decent spot to be in right now to have the choice to either go up or stay the same. But yeah, I think just want to point to another kind of advantage of the faster cuts is I did all the cutting while my enthusiasm was super high and then I've maintained ever since. That is a massive advantage, guys, a massive advantage. To be able to go back to maintenance calories, restore all those hormonal processes, restore the, your mood, restore your sleep, restore all that kind of stuff, rather than just being in this continuous deficit for so long is massively valuable. Um, like I know, I know one of my clients did a fast cut roughly about the same time that I started. Um, and he's been great as well. He's also been maintaining for the past sort of six to eight weeks. He's looking absolutely fantastic. If anything, he looks leaner. His counterpart, a friend of his, started a contest prep where he dieted very, very slowly. He's now coming to the tail end of that. And I think he's been dieting for the better part of half a year. And he's massively starting to struggle. Now, I'm not suggesting that he would have definitely been better had he used my model. But it does say something that you can step outside the box for better outcomes, you know? And that's just something to point out. It's, there are sometimes better ways of doing things. 
And I think if you're the, the traditional, you know, hey, 500 calorie deficit, walk for 10K, it sounds great when you're, when you've got a lot of weight to lose and in the early easy stages, but is, is it actually going to work later down the line? Um, I don't know. In my experience, it's a very generic approach. I like my model of doing things better. Um, had I prepped my client's friend, I think at this stage he wouldn't be having the same problems he currently is because we would have a much more flexible problem, a more flexible way of dieting. And uh, I mean, I've prepped loads of people at this stage now, and none of them have had issues. So um, it's one of those where it's like there are better ways of doing things, and um, I'm local, so I would have liked to have prepped it myself. It's a shame we've not got around to it. But um, there we go. I, I think there are a lot of coaches out there who make their living from very generic approaches to diet and really offer you just accountability, not actually a decent plan. And I think that's a bit of a shame. But there you go. People will learn as they learn. All right, folks, I'm going to call it there. So I probably will do an update on this next week because I want you guys to know whether I'm back on the diet sort of train and pushing my weight down a little bit further. So to summarize, um, drop from 88 to 80 in six weeks. <laughs> Maintain that weight. Feeling happy, feeling good. Uh, hadn't binged or anything like that. Um, I've not even mentioned that, have I? So yeah, no, no binges or anything. Uh, I've been fine, maintaining great. Um, felt good during my 40th birthday. And I may push body weight down to like 77, potentially. We shall see. All right, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Um, you guys are the best. And I will speak to you real soon.